Hey, everybody, and welcome to Learning from Smart People. I am your host, Rob Oliver, and my guest today is Patrick Murakami. He is a serial entrepreneur. He is, and before the show, we were talking about all of the different entrepreneurial ventures that he is part of, and it was too many to count. So uh, that being said, he's somebody who went from being unpurposed to uh, making up for lost time, and he joins us today. Patrick, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me today, Rob. Uh, it's a real honor, and I appreciate the opportunity. No doubt. It, I'm glad to have you here. And one of the things that kind of drew me to you was your entrepreneurial journey. So let's let's do this. Let's start there. Can you tell me a little bit about your the journey that got you to where you are today, kind of where you started and kind of how that progressed? Yeah. So, you know, I use the tagline, uh, self-slaughter to million dollar. Um, and that really, the way that that story came is basically for almost 10 years. Uh, I really lived unpurposed. Um, you know, I was, grew up in kind of low middle class and I just kind of always thought that I was destined to remain there and, you know, working through, working through corporates, uh, going to school, all those different things. I really um, just thought that I wasn't going to be able to go next level. So after going through a really, really nasty divorce, um, that sent me downward spiraling even more. So I spent many years in depression, um, actually went through multiple suicidal attempts, which I failed, uh, thankfully. You know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. But during that time, that's an ultimate low where you feel like that the one thing that would kind of fix your own solutions, you couldn't even complete that, you know? And so, um, but, you know, we use that line to basically really paint the picture that, you know, I went from where a lot of people are in uh, America, right? Middle-class trying to maybe go to that next level and being able to really develop my own story and create the version of life that I wanted. And do I have everything that I want? Absolutely not. Right. But it has taught me the beauty in terms of the struggle, uh, what I call the, the beautiful struggle, because there is something about being able to fight through your way, that grit that maybe we have internally, but maybe it takes a certain thing to unlock it within us as human beings. And so to be able to unlock that and now create this journey of multiple businesses, multiple streams of income, some with passive income, and also now basically live life the way that I want to and to be able to bring people onto the journey that um, and show them that there's a completely different way than what we've been taught. Is there a particular event that kind of turned things around for you? Because, and I'll share just a little bit of my story. Sure. Um, when I was 21, I had a spinal cord injury that kind of made me reevaluate life, figure out what success is. And even in school, I, it's funny, my my joke about it was that before my injury, I was a psychology major. After my injury, I was a psychology major with purpose. And, yes. and, and so I was, I'm curious if in your experience you had, you know, there was some event that kind of helped turn things around for you or bring things into focus or how that happened. Yeah. And, um, you know, I hope that this is, uh, isn't too dark, uh, to be honest, but, uh, you know, it is kind of just a real life scenario as to what happened. And basically, um, one night, um, I, my goal was that I would do this basically alone. 
right? And so I had overdosed um, on a bunch of pills. I just kind of made a, a cocktail and just took as many as I could. And I woke up basically two days later uh, in a hospital bed. And what had happened was that um, uh, my son was being dropped off to me unexpectedly the next morning. And it was my day off from, from work and all these things. And so they just knew that they couldn't get a hold of me. Something was wrong. And I guess they ended up uh, calling the, the hospital. They, uh, firefighters had to break into the home and all this, all these things. And so I woke up in the hospital and instantly, of course, you know, there's this feeling of shame, regret, uh, guilt, because you're looking at people that you knew that you were trying to leave behind. And I remember looking at, my son, he was probably uh, four or five years old at the time. And he just kind of looked at me and he didn't know what was going on, but he just knew that he was scared to see his father laying there in the hospital bed. And at that moment, I realized that there has to be something better than this. He deserves better than that. Um, and that I was really being very selfish in the moment. And so that, you know, when I realized that a lot of me being in my sorrow, a lot of me being, you know, in this kind of woe is me type mentality, I look back on everything that had happened in my life. Um, you know, and I realized that the one thing that was consistent and everything that has always happened around me, uh, was myself. And so I had to learn that even though maybe I may, may not be a hundred hundred percent responsible for all the things that happened like in my childhood and things like that, but I was a hundred percent responsible for the way that I felt and the way that I dealt with it. Yeah. That's, that's such a powerful message. And there's a couple things in here that I'd love to unpack. And number one, I will say thank you very much for being willing to share that. That's, that's an incredible, uh, incredibly personal story and a very vulnerable. Uh, and I appreciate that. Um, the second piece I want to highlight in there is uh, the children of people who commit suicide are far more likely to commit suicide themselves than is the, the general population. And so in that way, um, for those of you who are out there that may be going through a dark period in your life, know that hold on for your kids because it's, it's important in that way. Um, the last piece that I want to say is... Um, I had a guest on who shared this idea that nothing that happens to you has a value statement attached to it. The value statement comes from your own personal choice of what you would do with it. So for me, you know, acquiring a disability, most people would say that was a bad thing, but for me, it was a, it was an important learning experience and I am where I am today because of that. And I would say similarly, you know, a, a failed suicide attempt for you would be, many people would look at that as a bad thing, but it seemed to have been a catalyst that helped move you forward in a positive direction. What's your reaction to that? Absolutely. You know, um, you know, I wouldn't be able to say the words beautiful struggle. I wouldn't be able to say, um, you know, that hardship or, you know, failure makes us better. You know, um, I have been on a probably a really big campaign for all year long to preach to people that failure is necessary and sometimes failure is the only option, you know? And again, that was such a hard concept to wrap my mind around because I had only been a failure, you know, and, and even into that moment where I was sitting there in the hospital, but I looked back and I realized that, you know, something 
ever since I was a little kid kind of told me that you were made for something bigger, which led me to kind of almost take a chance on everything. But I always came up short and I always kind of felt like, well, you know, maybe I'm just destined to continuously fail. But now I look back on my entrepreneurial journey over the last two and a half years and realize that, you know what, like all of those things, the ability to kind of go from one thing to the next and learn from the failures and pivot and think outside the box and, and move forward and to be able to continuously kind of take those hits and keep going was part of the making for me to be able to go on this journey. And then again, I know that everybody has kind of different backgrounds and different histories, but what I realized was that looking back that tunnel that I was going through where I was kind of assembling and going through and kind of hit, getting hit by everything I realized now was really setting me up. So that way, moving forward, that really allowed me to have that in, um, tenacity to be able to continue to push forward with no matter what happens. Yeah, I, I often say that sometimes the most valuable lessons come at the highest price. Uh, yes. <laughs> and, and failure, there are two ways to deal with failure. One is to see it as a growth inhibitor and the other is to see it as a learning opportunity. And when you have that mind shift to say, okay, this didn't go as planned. What can I learn from it that will help me to build a, you know, a more successful skill set moving forward? It's really a shift. I, I want to talk, I want to shift just a little bit because it sounds to me like you had been, you've been going for quite a while and, ex and experiencing failure. Um, what's your message to folks? It, you had a, you had kind of a vision, kind of a dream that there's something bigger out there and you couldn't get to it. Can you talk a little bit about that idea of encouraging people to dream and um, encouraging folks to, to pursue that something bigger in their lives? Absolutely. So, you know, all the time as young children, we're always told, hey, dream big, you can be whatever you want. And then somewhere between teenager to becoming an adult, we lose a lot of that. And then all of a sudden it gets forgotten. And then a lot of us kind of maybe try to figure out our way. And, and so what I, what I try to encourage people is that it's never too late to learn to dream again. But this time when you dream with purpose, when you look back on that and, and have maybe a vision, you know, and there's some people where that stirs within them forever and the right moment or the right thing kind of unlocks it. For me, again, I was, I don't know if it was a good or a bad thing that I realized uh, very early on that I was supposed to do something much bigger. And, you know, with life, like growing up in a broken home, being surrounded, you know, ha uh, having a lot of kind of death around me early, at an early age, you know, I kind of forgot that that purpose was bigger than myself. So oftentimes I try to make myself the big purpose and realizing that, you know, the purpose for me of being around something bigger than myself was always community. So I actually spent a number of years uh, in the art world, uh, specifically, you know, spoken word and poetry and that really helped me to kind of learn to cope with the things that I was going through. So I began writing, got some poetry published, and I never thought that that was kind of like going to be an avenue or a journey to teach me business skill sets. And so I was uh, actually used to be on a website called Twitch, which is uh, live streaming mostly for gamers and artists. 
But, um, you know, when I first got on there, it was mostly for gamers, and I started transitioning to host a digital open mic for uh, artists all over the world. And that really taught me how to build a tribe. And it's crazy. It also opened my eyes to this whole digital world and of uh, that you can literally connect with people who have similar interests all over the world. You know, obviously we knew about the internet. We knew that these chat groups and Skype was all available. I mean, I grew up using uh, MSN messenger chat and these chat rooms, but to actually find deep connections where these people are truly inspired by what you do, where they can't wait to show up, you know, when you turn the camera on next uh, to really be a part of your community. Uh, so I've been removed for about three years from that just uh, again, pursuing more of the uh, business ventures and things like that. But a lot of that then also taught me that I could embrace that digital world and bring it into the real world. And so utilizing those skill sets of building an online tribe, I turned around and basically mimicked that in the business world and built um, our our businesses strictly from social media and Facebook. Okay. I, I want to go back and talk about something that you said when you were talking about dreaming and encouraging people never to stop dreaming. I and I'll just really quickly share a story from my my second book called Still Walking or Still Falling. And in there, I tell the story of I was having the world's best dream. And my wife woke me up in the middle of it because I was snoring. And, and my, my dream was gone, right? And so when I went back to sleep, I was trying to get that dream back. And... Um, you know, for the next several nights, I'm like, I, when I go to sleep, I want that dream because it was just wonderful and I never got it. And so it wasn't until, you know, a couple of weeks later that I, I thought to myself, okay, I may not get that dream back, but it's okay. I can dream a different dream. I can dream a new dream and it can be wonderful too. And so, so many people have a dream of what they want to do or want to be and something happens and that that dream is no longer a possibility, but it doesn't stop you from being able to dream a new dream or to to reframe the you know whatever it was in a in a new way. And so what I mean by that is, for example, you know, some for a guy who is a fo- a star football player and then blows out his knee, and so now he's he's not going to be able to get the scholarship. He's not going to be able to play on a professional level. He's never going to be the football player, that dream is gone, but he can be a football coach. He can be involved in football. He can pass along the knowledge that he has. And it's just a different variation on the same dream. What's your thoughts in that? So first of all, that's so powerful. I love the, um, the picture you paint with that. Right. And I tell people all the time, when you go into a business, it's not a marriage. (laughs) Um, and what I mean by that is, you don't have to take that to the grave with you. It's not till death do you part. Um, there are plenty of people who realize that their strength and that their knowledge lies in basically maybe building something, or maybe they love that process of building something and then getting to the point where it's profitable and can sell it off. Or maybe there's people like myself where um, I love the, the challenge and the idea of basically taking somebody who's maybe never been in that digital realm or that space and transitioning them to online, you know? And so uh, there's a, a book which is super popular called uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And it talks about a gentleman who basically, his sole goal was to work with Thomas Edison. He went in, he got an opportunity to do a pitch and basically completely botched it, 
Um, and it was basically like, he was like, okay, he's like, I completely messed that up. He's like, but my goal is still to work with Edison and his prowess and his idea was not to be an inventor like Edison. He just knew that he could sell the products and market it better than Edison. And so he was basically on board that like, look, I'll never get the credit for invention, but I know that I can market that way better. And it took him almost 10 years. And it got to the point where I think the telegram they had where it was said invented by Edison, sold by whatever his name was. I can't remember. But, you know, there's like you said, you know, being able to pivot and understand that your strengths. And again, it's such a small percentage of people who are going to go and become a professional athlete. Right. It's a small percentage of people who are actually going to get into, you know, that one percent realm and things like that for, you know, for for financials. But that doesn't mean you can't be successful with being in the 50%, in the 70%, right? That doesn't mean that there isn't plenty of opportunity for you to still be able to connect and help others, whatever your niche is. And so I love the fact that, you know, when you recognize that, you know, and then in today's digital world, we also have the ability to kind of quantum leap ourselves so that you don't no longer have to have the 10,000 hours to be a master at something. I mean, you can learn something, explore it, put your twist on it and go viral overnight now. So, you know, there's a lot of different twists, a lot of different opportunities that we have. And I think that uh, even though oftentimes it feels like it's less personable because it is online, um, when you take away the fact that the safety piece is not for you to feel comfortable, but for your clients to feel comfortable, Right. Then it brings up this whole realm of opportunity that we have not really tapped into uh, completely yet. Yeah. And in some ways, what happens is you're you were talking about building a digital tribe and that it can be worldwide. The way that the Internet has gone, you your client list is no longer your neighbors or your local (laughs) community. Your client list is is the world, which is incredible. percent. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about like you went, you said you went from kind of being unpurposed to making up for lost time, which sounds to me like you found a purpose, right? Uh, Yeah, definitely. So when I talk about kind of that vision I had about being a part of something, you know, one of the things that I've always wanted to do and that I found other ways to do, but I just couldn't do it in mass amounts was to be able to kind of give back. So my wife and I, uh, I mean, when we worked for other people, um, every November we would do a, a, basically a local code drive where we would go and pack lunches. You know, we would try to get a couple of people with us and we would just go down and we would have supplies and we would just hand them out to our local homeless. So they'd have a sack lunch, they'd have, you know, heating pads, blankets, gloves, hats, things like that. And, you know, I mean, at one point we had almost 20, 20 volunteers going with us, putting money out of their own pocket. And, and, you know, it was just something that people wanted to be a part of. And, you know, again, you're kind of limited when, when you're limited on income. And, you know, um, there were times when we were struggling to pay rent, you know, maybe uh, one week we're, we have a full bag of groceries in the refrigerator and the next week, you know, Hey, can we, can we split a cup of ramen? Right. And so, you know, it's not a lifestyle that's ideal, but for us, it was so important for us to still be able to give back or connect with the community. And uh, so we still do that even to this day, uh, seven, eight years later and being able to do that now with abundance, right. Now we can, 
uh, we're in a position where we can turn around and use that as a tax write-off where we can turn around and reach out to other business owners to say, Hey, would you be willing to maybe buy a couple of bottles of, uh, of water or, you know, or, or supply this, right. And being in that position to have the right network. So now when we go out and do this thing, you know, I think this, uh, this last time that we did it, we had over uh, $4,000 worth of supplies, hmm. right. And we were able to empty the whole thing um, in a matter of hours. And so, you know, before, I think at most, I mean, we had maybe somebody come up with three, four hundred dollars. And then a lot of us were kind of taxing it all up. In this case, we just had everybody go and distribute that wanted to be a part of that. So, you know, um, when you can provide those things, when you can provide that and build that tribe, you know, and like you said, it's no longer people who are just your next door neighbors and kind of going to sell them Girl Scout cookies and, you know, all those different things. Uh, I mean, I had people from that were donating that live in North Carolina. I'm in Colorado. Uh, I had people from England and Australia, you know, these people that I've been connected with through the digital world that were turning around and, and giving support to that. And so tapping into this whole environment of basically being able to connect anywhere, anytime, there's technology now where you can translate automatically <laughs> within each other. I mean, there's so many different things. Um, you know, obviously, just like anything else, there is a, a double-edged sword, you know, when it comes to technology usage. I mean, there's a lot of dark and sinister things that are out there as well. But I think uh, overall, uh, businesses should be maybe exploring the next option. I know we've got crypto um, and kind of now we have websites that are coming off the blockchain, um, I think Facebook is getting ready to transform into uh, or add the meta piece, which is also going to be all online. I think Amazon has a, a product manager who's actually uh, transforming and creating a process so that way they can accept the cryptocurrency. So again, a lot of these different things that are we're on the verge of, and you know, I kind of look at it as for those of us that grew up in the dot com era, it's kind of like knowing ahead of time um, what the results were from the dot com era. I mean, it was really great growth before a little bit of a bust and then, you know, stabilizing. And I feel like that uh, for many people who are willing to jump on there firsthand right now, that could also be a great opportunity uh, for those people who maybe didn't have that opportunity before. Okay. Uh, again, I want to go back and just highlight something you were talking about. You, you talked sure. about the fact that you have a skill at building a tribe, building a community, and you take that and you, you go with that as kind of your purpose and the thing that you are skilled at. Sure. Uh, for me, I have I've found that I have a skill as a teacher, um, being able to to share um, to share knowledge, and I, I think this goes to the the greater point that everybody has an ability at at least something that they can do that is beneficial to others, and I think it was the great um, basketball coach John Wooden who said nobody ever achieved greatness by focusing on what they can't do. Yes. So. So many. What we need to do is figure out what is it that we are are gifted at. What is the skill that we have, and how do we use that to make the the biggest impact on the world around us? Um, what's your What's your comment to that? You know, I think that you can even simplify that even more, and that's really is just get comfortable sharing your own story, sharing your own journey. Right. I think social media has taught us to put our very best or our very best foot forward every single time. And at the end of the day, everybody knows that that's not real. Right. Everybody knows that we all struggle. Now, some people may not want to hear about it. And I'm not saying to put all of your business out there. Right. Because people do judge. But 
what I do know is that to somebody, everybody has somebody that looks at them at some point as the villain, right? They've done, they've harmed somebody, they've hurt somebody, they know something, etc. And so get comfortable telling your own story because I promise you, you're going to like that version so much better than any other version that somebody else would tell of you. Yep. Makes perfect sense. Listen, Patrick, I, I, let me just kind of sum up what, what we've talked about in this way. Um, we're two guys, we've gone through some difficult circumstances and I'm um, just a reminder to everybody, like everybody goes through rough times um, and you can get through this. And on top of that, just because you're going through a rough patch now doesn't mean that you don't have something to contribute. Everyone's got something to contribute to the greater good. Uh, listen, if people want to get a hold of you, um, what's your website? What's the best way to do that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, facebook.com slash two native sons. Uh, it's a podcast, but again, my business partner, Scott and I, we're really just, uh, our goal is really in, it's really cool that it aligned this way. Our, our goal is really to just help out as many people in any way that's possible. And so for us, we know that um, sharing and talking about people like myself being an average show to having and fulfilling purpose. You know, some people have described me as a community leader. Some people have said, you know, that I'm an inspirational person. And really, it basically just took a lot of work to to learn who I was. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing. We're on Instagram. Um, I think my LinkedIn profile, it's LinkedIn.com slash Patrick Murakami. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, I'm pretty available on most platforms. Sure. Again, I don't spend a whole lot of time on um, most of my outside of Instagram and Facebook, but I will see it at some point. Uh, and again, I'm happy to put, uh, I mean, Rob has my phone number, which uh, we'll go ahead and put kind of in the show notes as well. So yep. I'm more than happy to, to do that as well. And again, just want to be a resource. And again, if you are struggling, if you are going through something, know that you're not the only one. So you don't have to sit there and suffer in silence. And just because you're maybe your immediate, um, a uh, tribe isn't maybe available to help you during this time. That doesn't mean that there isn't a world out there of people that aren't willing to help you and go through that and, and understand your journey. So you are never on an island. Sometimes we just have to swim over to the next body of water or, or swim through to find the people that really understand this. Yeah. And um, I will also put in there, you are offering a free social media marketing evaluation session, which is very kind and generous of you. Thank you for yes. doing that. Uh, so, it's time for three questions to establish your humanity. Are you ready for this, my friend? I, I'm ready. Yeah, I love this segment. Okay. What is your child's proudest achievement? You mentioned your son. What What are you most proud of your son for accomplishing? Yeah, so actually uh, I have two two sons, uh, one okay. who just turned 16 and another one who is six. So my 16-year-old, uh, what I'm really proud about him is that he, at a young age, has really found himself to be an activist in politics. Um, he's really passionate. Uh, he's still a child. So, you know, at times there's times when it's a very one-sided conversation, um, you know, and he has to learn to listen to reason and have a, you know, a conversation where both sides can dialogue. But what I love is that he's not afraid to go next level. You know, when I, when we were having this conversation um, during the election time, you know, he was really passionate on one side. I was, you know, I wouldn't say equally passionate, but, you know, I wanted to dialogue and, and inspect a little bit more as to why he felt this way, because I had kind of opposing views. And then I basically said, you know, this is all well and good for us to have these conversations. I was like, but if you really would like to make an impact, maybe you should consider going out there 
you know, um, and helping with the voting, being a volunteer, um, you know, putting out information, you know, uh, talking to people who aren't voting, things like that. And he went out and did it. Cool. You know, he, he went, it was out there, he had the signs and then he was uh, talking to people, you know, pointing out the things that he felt were important for his generation. Um, and then my youngest son, uh, he's six years old. We actually own an e-commerce business together. And I'm just proud that in the fact that at six years old, he has a why, he has a purpose, he understands uh, valuation, he understands the, uh, um, I mean, I don't know how many six-year-olds would maybe have toys that he knows that he can't open, because he understands that by doing that, it breaks down the value. Yeah. Um, and he also understands that certain things have a higher price point now than, uh, but they may drop down later and some of these other ones may increase. So, you know, I'm just, I just love the fact that at six years old, I'm able to kind of share the knowledge that it took me 37 years <laughs> to figure out. Sure. Okay. Um, what radio station would we find on your car radio when you get in the car? What are you listening to? You know, uh, it's funny because growing up as a teenager, you would always find probably a lot of hip hop um, or punk music. And now it's kind of like a lot of classic rock. Um, right now, currently, it's all Christmas music, uh, mostly in part because of my wife. And, uh, you know, before I used to always kind of have this pet peeve. I was like, let's celebrate Thanksgiving. Let's give it its full due before christmas and i think everybody's kind of like gone past that and even i've warmed up to a little bit so we've been listening to christmas music i think since like before halloween now (laughs) no worries all right last question opinion question for you at the holidays eggnog eggnog overrated underrated or um just the perfect holiday drink um i've never been huge on it i mean i usually get one cup uh during this holiday season i have yet to have it this year um you know, I'm, I'm also not a drinker, so I know that for some people that makes a big difference in their eggnog right. <laughs> uh, as well. So, I mean, I, I for me, it's fine. It's, uh, it's a seasonal thing, I think, for a lot of people. And, um, again, is it my favorite? No. Will I drink it? If it's around, sure. But I'm not actively going out of my way to purchase it. There you go. Very cool. Hey, listen, Patrick, thank you so much for being on with me today. I appreciate you sharing. Um, I encourage folks to reach out and connect with you. For all my listeners, thank you for being here. And I will remind you that when you stop learning, you stop living. Have a great day, everybody. 